This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Hi, this is Marcus Toe, artist for Red Robin. You've been listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake podcast. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers, and welcome to episode 133. This show is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman, and of course, Robin. We are also associated with Batman on Films Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. So between the BatmanUniverse.net, our home site, and BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, you can find us. Speaking of find us, you can get a hold of us on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We are on Instagram, and you can email into the show at Robin ELTD Podcast, and we'll read your emails on the show. And you can check our YouTube channel out and just search Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Podcast. And if you listen on iTunes, Actually, now it's called Apple Podcasts. Leave a review and a star review, and we will read that as well on the show. Like I said, I'm Rob, and this is the conclusion. And if I'm doing my math correctly, and I'm hurriedly trying to do it, this should be part five, the fifth and final part of our Batman legacy coverage. And I think it ended just about the time... COVID-19 has kind of sort of come and gone, but we know there's other things kind of out there, but life as we used to know it is kind of back. So we had a really big recording session, Terrence, Ryan, and myself, that we covered the last major chunks of these stories. So wrapping up our conclusion for Batman Legacy, we will get into Robin 33, Detective Comics 702, and as a bonus issue that's included in the trade is Batman Bane number one, and that came out in 1997, a year after Legacy officially wrapped, but we'll get into that because, you know, Chuck Dixon is the master that he is. So we won't do too much of an intro here. We're going to pause for a couple promos from other shows you should go check out, and when you come back, we will complete Batman Legacy. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again. It's finally here, coming to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. General? Would you care to step outside? It's Superman 2 Movie Minute. Chris Franklin and Rob Kelly are back to discuss 1980's Superman 2, five minutes at a time. Superman faces his toughest challenge when he squares off against Lex Luthor and three villains from the planet Krypton. Superman 2 Movie Minute, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Man, this is going to be good. (laughs) 
Hello, Paul. Hello. I am Dr. Herfi Stafner. Come in, come in, please. Take a seat. Take a seat. What can I do for you today? I uh, just, I just, I'm, I can't sleep. I, I, I can't focus on anything. The only thing I can think about is like DC events. DC events, as in the comic books. DC events. Yes, yes, the comic book events. Ooh, interesting. Uh, are we we talking things like Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah, yeah, totally. That one, yeah. Uh, Infinite Crisis? Yeah, yeah, that one too. Oh, very, very. Invasion, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the, uh, the Genesis? Uh, not so much. No? Oh. Okay, well... I think it's really good if you talk about the things that are troubling you in your life. So maybe you should do a podcast about this obsession. What, what, what do you call this obsession? What do you think it is? I think you're a unique case. I've not seen anything like this before in my office. I'm going to suggest that you have what we call DCOCD. What? DCOCD. You are obsessive and compulsive about your DC events. I think you should talk it out, get it out of your system via a podcast. I will help you, my friend. We shall do a podcast together about your DCOCD. Oh, okay. When I won't even start? charge you for it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I don't think I can claim you on benefits. <clears throat> yeah, it's good. When should we start? Um, I'll get back to you on that. I'll check my I'll check my timetable. <laughs> cool. What you What you working on? Oh, Monica Chandler's recommendation. I want it to sound smart, but I don't know any big words or anything. So, well, why don't you use your thesaurus? What did I just say? <laughs> Here, you, uh, you highlight the word you want to change, uh, go under tools, and the thesaurus generates, it gives, <laughs> gives a whole list of choices. You can pick the word that sounds smartest. Oh, my God, that's great. I'm smart. No, no, I'm brainy, bright, clever. I love this thing. <laughs> Look out, ladies. Joey Tribbiani's got the whole package. <laughs> Well, speaking of legacy, let's continue the legacy through part seven in Robin 33 with a cover date of September 1996 with an on sale date of July 24th, 1996. Cover price again is $1.95 if you can read, Rob. The editor is the great Dennis J. O'Neill. Writer Chuck Dixon. Penciler Staz Johnson, as he's listed here, is Stuart Johnson. The inker is Rob Lee. Letterist is Timothy Harkins. Colorist is Adrian Roy. And the cover credits go to Mike Rowingo. And this is his last official cover for the late, great Mike Rowingo, with the inker being Terry Austin. And this is a short synopsis. Legacy Part 7, Riptide. Robin, Nightwing, and Huntress board Raz al Ghul's ship. The Shrink, Huntress, and Nightwing keep Raz and Talia and their foes occupied while Robin establishes connection into a Windows 95 computer. From Ra's al Ghul to Oracle so that she can access the data, which allows a cure for the clench to be found. With the help of a major mainframe across the country, she's able to find information she needs, and the heroes escape shortly before it explodes. Later, the bodies of numerous mobsters are found adrift on the tide that are carried there from Bloodhaven. So, since this is... Robin, everyone loves a Drake podcast. We really didn't look at the other covers, and we can go back to if you like, and I let that slip. But the cover for Robin 33, this has been 30-some-odd years since this issue has been out, and it wasn't until this morning I realized that Nightwing is on top of the boat, and I thought it was just a random ninja, and I was more fixated on Ringo's Robin, so I didn't even realize Nightwing is up above the red spinning red Batman animated series sky. So what do you guys think of the cover for Robin 33? And did you realize that was Nightwing on top? Let's start with Terrence. 
Yeah, Terrence, if you can hear us, I think we've completely <laughs> lo- completely lost you. So log out. Terrence's computer is Windows 95. 95, so. yeah, that's right. So that's where Chandler's going to come in and tell Terrence how to operate his computer. <laughs> so in Terrence's absence, Ryan, what did you think of the cover? <laughs> I like it. I, I like the red spinning red vortex, and uh, it, it's obviously a good Ringo cover. It's got great action. Robin looks great up front, and you do get the add a bonus of Huntress and Nightwing. It's not that I didn't notice Nightwing was there, but obviously Robin is the draw. And, yeah. and it, it's cool, but I definitely like the previous issue of 32 better, just because that one is absolutely like an all-timer, like should be on a poster. Oh yeah, that's Robin. a great cover. It's a great cover. This one this one's good, but the other one's great. But what's cool is like they both share that same legacy dark ominous spinning red vortex kind of thing between the two covers. So it's kind of a neat uh carryover between the two. Yeah, definitely. And I like how it's it's thematically where you're still in like that that same mm-hmm. positional juxtaposition of Robin in the frame instead of coming at us to this one, he is just down yep. off the the lower part of the page, but still, still great. Riptide. So seeing Raringo on the front of the cover and getting Staz Johnson on the inside, I don't, I don't know what it is about the art in this book. I really love Staz Johnson's art, but I don't know if this is if what's going on here. Not every page is consistent. This opening page says Riptide with Nightwing. In his now lighter version of the blue costume, this would be the bonus action figure, the variant, and uh, Huntress and Robin. I don't know if it's just the water that maybe is causing the art to look. The water, yeah, because yeah. when you turn the page, they look they look really they good. Normal again, yeah, yeah, exactly. I really dug this story, and you do get a little bit of seeing Batman get beat around the pier with Bane on the on the driftwood or the slab of wood the interaction between robin and batgirl i think is really cool the their little shorthand back and forth you mean hunters you said about well not well i meant i'm looking at barbara gordon i'm thinking oh uh, oracle. Uh, oracle and I'm, I'm thinking batgirl right is it just me or does she seem a little confused like she knows how batman and robin are operating every time that Robin gets himself in a situation. She's constantly like, "Oh no, are you okay?" I, I, yeah, like hold on a up. second. Don't and, and yeah, and it's kind of weird. Like Tim Drake's like, "Hold on, you might hear some things, but don't worry." Like you know, like <laughs> it's like okay, you know, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, more of a more of a like, oh, I hold on, hold on a second, ooh, ooh, ooh. And, and you know, she knows that like he's fine because he's Robin. Like, but it is quite early, right in uh, the Oracle Tim Drake yeah. lineage here. So you know, some of that. Not even maybe that relationship is kind of growing. So this is uh, it's it kind of is fine to me. Yeah. Terrence, do you have any thoughts? Or, or excuse me, Chandler, do you have any thoughts on uh, Huntress and I see I did it again on Oracle and Robin's interaction through this, where she still seems a little like unsure of like Tim's abilities in this because she's constantly like, oh no, be careful, what's going on. Could my computer be any more annoying? No. Um, sorry about that. There's a um, gap of me being in here. I just edit some random stuff in there, Rob, of me saying... Should, yeah. should we stop the recording to make sure that all that audio actually is going to get saved? If, Do you want to well, stop and re- send us a new link? So the question Rob is going to ask again for the fourth time to Terrence is... What did you think of the interaction between Robin and Oracle in this issue and Tim having to start up Windows 95? Yes. Uh, yeah, this is the, the start of their romance, which culminates in their marriage in a video game, right? No, right. Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> you know, I actually didn't even pick up on any of that stuff that you guys were saying until you just read it. I just kind of, um, I don't know, I, 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 I kind of liked it. I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting. On page 15, where it goes blam, 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 and, and Oracle yells, Robin, you know, and, and is that gunfire? Like, she's she's showing, like, concern and worry for him, which I'm like, dude, they're like Batman and Robin. Of course there's gunfire. Right. Like, that's, that happened. You were Batgirl. You know the drill, you know. But I did kind of like that. So I didn't really pick up on her thinking he couldn't do the job as much as I just picked up on 
that you know she cares for him not in a romantic way not in the, right. you know, I was joking about the video game way but in almost like a, a bigger sister kind of kind of way of things <laughs> my computer bombed on me for a minute so I'm one thing I wanted to mention I don't know if you guys mentioned this I thought it was kind of interesting the comparison between 701 and Robin 33 is that we always talk about how Chuck Dixon starts with action he starts with action and this book starts mm-hmm. right away with action you know they're in like James Bond scuba dive mode going to the boat but 701 actually doesn't really start with action it's like one of those rare times where it starts with like a calm before the storm where they're like all in their lookout locations looking for it but I thought it I don't know. There was something, even though it wasn't physical violence action, it was it was really like a great way to start 701, and I thought this was a great way to start 33, although I will say, and I was not a fan of issue 33, <laughs> per se, so we can we can debate that, but this, yeah, I, I didn't really like this issue. And I got to pick a side here, Mark. Pick a side. Pick a side. <laughs> I think overall I was a little, like, whelmed, to use a young justice term, with this issue, but the parts I did like were Robin, it was almost comical, Robin having to fight off hordes of people where Oracle's like, all right, don't don't let the connection get terminated. So Robin would kick a lot of butt, and then, all right, stand his ground, and then there'd be some more bad guys, and he'd take all of them out, which, being a Robin fan, I'm like, yeah, that's awesome, but he's beaten a lot of ass in this issue where I was like, Okay, I know Nightwing and Huntress are on the top of the boat, but like, where is Tim's backup? Because keeping in mind, Tim is still infected. He should probably be showing some signs right. of that, which which we'll get into See, a this, little. This is this is one of the reasons why it kind of a lot of the storytelling stuff kind of breaks down here at the end, where it's mm-hmm. like a lot of the things they set up just kind of get lost or forgotten and don't yeah. really resolve in a satisfying enough way because like in the next issue it's like oh yeah we we've got the cure and uh got the antivirus and everything's good now we, you got cured didn't you robin like when it was like such like a oh we're on a ticking clock you know because you know here it would have should have been it not should, i don't want to say that but like you could have had robin trying to fight off guys and he's still he's succumbing to the clinch stuff and you could have had like some of the blood coming like through the the mask, the mask and stuff. like yeah. you could have had some cool like imagery and stuff like there were some things you could they could have done, and I kind of do wonder if they if they weren't under a, a tight deadline to do all this entire story editorially in all of the different books in the time frame they had, if they could have uh, you know streamlined it a little bit more. Yeah, this is one of those that you look at a story like Legacy or Nightfall or No Man's Land or whatever. Would those stories have worked? Let's use this as an example. Would Legacy worked better if it was? Like a three jokers, let's say, or Batman Earth One. Like it's it's its own story. It's not you can put it in continuity, but you don't have to go, okay, we gotta go through Robin and Catwoman and Nightwing and go through mm-hmm. all these publications because at the back. Where it could be its own event like a Dark Knight's Metal, like its own event book that's separate yeah. from the because they do it does seem like they do have some sort of editorial thing on there, like, well, if it's it's part of the whole miniseries, but since it's a Catwoman issue, you know, Catwoman's got to be the main character, it's got to be told from her point of view, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's got to tie into the the continuity before and after the crossover, you know, issue-wise and stuff like that, which they they really are doing a marvelous job of doing all that yes. in here, but but it does lead, they did obviously feels like they left some, some storytelling potential on the table for this because of the way it, it, it's set up. So a panel I want to look at is 19, and from the moment that the guy with the axe hits Robin in the back of the neck, which I thought he took an axe to the back of the head at first, <laughs> so he gets knocked out. Oh, yeah. I called her Batgirl again. Oracle says, suck it up, damn it, and then this guy takes the axe into like the fiber optic or electrical cable and gets fried and burnt to a crisp. And you hear Robin say, Oracle, Oracle. So in that next panel is the one I'm looking at. It says, we made it, Boy Wonder. I've got the numbers. So when she leans back, I was like, was there an electrical surge that knocked her off of the keyboard? Because <laughs> there is a light by her head. And I could have swore there was blood coming out from the side of her glasses. When I looked at it on the side, I think she's just laying back in the chair almost like, oh, we've done oh, it thank or whatever. Goodness. Yeah, that's it. But, but it's, it, it is kind of a... 
the way it reads with the guy getting zapped and her in back in the same like position, I can see how you could just like you'd have to like maybe reread that a couple times to like make sure you got it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, so I just wanted to see if I was the only one that was like, oh, and uh, Oracle just got fried in this. No, I had the, the exact same reaction. I'm like, wait, what just happened to her? And overall, I, I was kind of disappointed in the art overall. I mean, Robin looks good in every panel, I think, but a lot of the side characters and Nightwing and just doesn't look that great. And the other thing I didn't like, if I'm going to pile on all the stuff I didn't like here, <laughs> I, I thought some of the dialogue, especially between Nightwing and Huntress, was just... It was really bad, like where he's like he calls her a nag or something, and yeah. that was that got confused and not yeah. even it got confusing to me. Like, like why are they? What are they even saying? You know, like uh, yeah, I whole, couldn't like, follow that whole interaction there on page nine where mm-hmm. he's yeah. like, I need a second or two, cut corners. You you cut their rope. I'm like, what what is he doing? Like, nice shot. You cut the rope. Like, isn't that a good thing? Like. Yeah. yeah, he uses it to to swing. I, it was hard to follow that action. Like I could see, like maybe I, I was totally reading that last night, and I was like, I bet if this was like an action scene in a movie, it would make more sense. But since they have like a page to do this, it just kind of it's hard to t- to understand exactly what's going on. And the coloring too. I'm like, what is this? Is, he, is mm-hmm. this battering? It's like green, but it's the same color as like some some of his suit. I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, I <laughs> so. couldn't tell. Like, what is? Does he have some type of weird gauntlet on his hand? Like, I was yeah. looking at it going, it can't be a batarang, but I can't tell what part of his body that that is. Yeah, and you like, I guess my disappointment, too, in this issue a bit is that it is the final chapter. Like, right. again, I, we talked about how in 701 maybe it was the editorial, but I feel like 701 would have been a better... Um, ending and this would have been like the robin side mission to capture the boat or something or break the code but it just yeah like the stuff that's in the beginning of legacy the catwoman stuff she's nowhere near she's she's got nothing to do with the end right the whole thing of Mm -hmm. like 700 oh my god bane and raja ghoul and taya ghoul are they're teamed up like that whole team up is just like over so quick raj's like yeah he's not who i thought he was let's move on and she's like oh can i (laughs) can i date the detective again like wait what happened to like the 700 that you know and the art on talia is just weird looking like i mean she just comes off i don't know weird and then all these generic you know thugs there was this game I used to play. You got you probably don't remember Double Dragon. Yes, like, it, it just feels Double like Dragon. yeah. It just feels like Double Dragon car- side characters coming in, you know, to fight Robin, just like one after the other. Um, so yeah, but I do like at the end. I sent it to you guys the um, g- Virtual Boy ad. Did you guys have? Vir- did any of you guys have Virtual Boy? You don't. You don't know this. I, I love Virtual Boy. No, Terrence. okay, I have, yeah. I have. I have. Multiple Virtual Boys. I oh, have cool. every single game for the United States, and I have some of the Japanese-only games. There's some Ooh. really rare ones. If you oh, ever, wow. you never will. But there's like a there's a virtual bowling game that's Japan-only, and it's like five thousand dollars. It's so oh, expensive. Wow. But I've got a I've got a this is such a tangent. But I have a <laughs> I've got Waterworld. I've got um, Jack Brothers. I have there's a guy that's local here that he's also occasionally on a the Retronauts podcast. He makes really nice quality joysticks for retro game consoles and he made mm. really nice he made a, a virtual boy compatible joystick like that ha- that's it replaces the controller and it is so cool and i've got a special modded virtual boy that has a video output that goes to this rgb monitor so you can play it on a tv oh wow, uh, wow. so i can play the virtual boy on a tv with the joystick you know completely unlike it's it's intended to but it's really cool and you can change the color from red to blue or so for playing water world or something you can make it blue it's really neat so yeah virtual it's it's kind of a i think it's an underrated system but kind of like a nintendo's like big mistake and failure of, of of the 90s there but uh it's it's really weird and quirky and cool so i'm a huge <laughs> virtual boy aficionado <laughs> Yeah, we well, loved it, but it had the rap of like it, it caused neck injuries or it caused neck pain or something. I'll but we never had any picture, pain. Because I've yeah. got it set up right over here. Oh, this cool. Awesome. Well, yeah. Well, there's a cool ad. And the other weird thing, I guess you guys can comment on it. Like the last, well, Batman's hardly in this issue, which is kind of weird for a Batman story to not feature Batman too much in the ending. 
And then the last page of the entire legacy story is really just an advertisement for Nightwing number one. It's not even <laughs> part of legacy. So it's just kind of a weird way to end, which I guess I, I guess if you look at the epilogues, it's not really the end. So maybe, maybe I'm reading it wrong because of that. Yeah, I thought it with the last panel with Montoya and Bullock looking out at all of the mooks, as he likes to call them. <laughs> I got these mooks here. They're dead, Montoya. Yeah, I thought these uh, were the people Robin killed on the ship, but I guess not. I guess it, yeah. That's yeah. what happens when Robin kills people, and then they get blown up on the ship, so Robin like has plausible deniability. Like, well, maybe the bow staff didn't go into their eye socket. Yeah. But this seems like if this is the, I'm doing air quotes, official end of the story, I was like, so is Tim cured? Did, right, exactly. Did, did I did I miss that spot where Alfred hooked him up to the IV and he he comes out of it? So maybe we need to go to the epilogue and see if seven oh two if we miss something. So if you guys are ready for that, uh, Ryan, do you want to take us home through the epilogue of Batman seven or Detective Comics seven oh one or two rather? So yes. Detective Comics 702, October 1996, on sale date is August 21st, 1996. The cover price is $1.95. Editor, Scott Peterson. Writer, Chuck Dixon. Penciler, Graham Nolan. Inker, Scott Hanna. Letterer, John Costanza. Colorist is Gloria Vasquez. For the cover, of course, the penciler is Graham Nolan. And as we discussed earlier, the inker was Bill Sienkiewicz. Apparently, this uh, issue also came polybagged uh, in special issues of On the Edge magazine, as we have just learned today. But it's not, you know, a special issue at all. It's just shoved into that On the Edge magazine. And uh, for the synopsis, it's uh, the legacy epilogue, Second Chances. The GCPD has captured some of the remaining members of the League of Assassins and takes them into custody, but the few members that were not captured are planning an attack on the police department to release their partners. Meanwhile, Bullock and Montoya interrogate one of the assassins to know who their leader is, but the assassin refuses to tell, and Gordon has a hunch of who is behind it all. Sarah and Jim start to argue about their relationship. Meanwhile, in Gotham City, the infected people are taken into medical centers to acquire a vaccine, and there is a curfew for those who are not infected. Batman and Robin survey the medical centers. Batman decides to help the institutions by going there as Bruce Wayne and to provide anything they need. He's shocked to see the amount of dead bodies that were infected by the plague and rushes outside, leaving the formalities to Lucius Fox. At that moment, Robin foils a robbery and finds an abandoned child on the street. The kid is called Ronnie and is infected with the virus. Robin takes the kid to the nearest medical center as fast as he can, but when he arrives, he calls a doctor to examine Ronnie, and and the doctor tells Tim that the boy is already dead. Robin is left sad and helpless as he promised the kid that he would save him, and he failed. Back in the Batcave, Bruce and Tim are depressed from their own experiences with the people. Alfred arrives just in time to let them know that Gotham is still alive thanks to them and that they have no real reason to be depressed. At the police headquarters, the League of Assassins are ready to attack and free their captured members. One of the assassins runs towards the police building, carrying an explosive device with him. He detonates the bomb, killing himself and blowing the main entrance to the building. Another assassin cuts the power lines and cut the lights of the entire building. Commissioner Gordon leads the few members inside the building of the GCPD in a tactical defense strategy. They use gas to take the attackers down, but one is holding a bazooka and aims at Commissioner Gordon. But before he shoots, a police member uses a taser to incapacitate the man, but the shock makes the man to fire the projectile towards Sarah Gordon. Gordon saves his wife by tackling her to the ground and covering her from the falling rubble. After this heroic act... Sarah and James reconcile and embrace each other in a loving way. <laughs> Dramatic pause here. <laughs> I think it's kind of a little anticlimactic again. Um, yeah, if you just said, "Okay, what happens?" It's like it's like there's a missing issue in between this. Yes, and what we just came out of. This is later the next day. I think in these issues, they've got the cure. They rush Tim Drake to a hospital, like Bruce Wayne would do that. That's when Bruce Batman and up. Robin style, like getting given Alfred that McGregor syndrome cure. Right, exactly. C- 
kind of like what I said before about the last issue. I think it's a decent enough story. Like this could have been just a siege on the GCPD, and we have Tim Drake doing something, saving the, trying to save this kid. Harvey Bullock interrogating a suspect, and you have the Gordons reconciling their marriage. But in the context of this, other than the little blurb from the news broadcast talking about the curfews being implemented since the police force is a little diminished, you get the people standing outside of the line getting their vaccination shots, so to speak. I think it's a fine enough story as a one-off issue or maybe an annual issue, but to be the end of this giant Batman legacy narrative that we've been reading it just kind of like, oh, well, it's it's over, it's done, and it's just another issue, which I guess every comic is kind of like that. But I think this is the issue I was let down with the most with, as excited was getting to see Batman and Bane go back at it, getting to see the final resolve and how all of the pieces fit. It's just Bruce being depressed and Tim being depressed. And you got to have Alfred come in and the Gordons get back together. The bullet point of like, what do you remember from this issue, Rob? I think the Gordons get back together, but I can't remember why they got separated to begin with because Gordon didn't see eye to eye with the mayor. So what was your, your take on this, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, so I just it just feels like, like I was saying, it feels like there's a missing issue here. And, and part of the anticlimactic stuff for me, it, it stems from the, the, the Robin issue that came before this is because Batman's busy fighting Bane, and then on the flip side, you don't really, I don't feel like you get enough final battle type stuff with, with Ra's al Ghul in that. And, you know, he's yes. like the, he's, he's the big bad of the whole story and you he has a little bitty rematch with Nightwing kind of but you don't get to see Batman fight him and when the the big yacht explodes it's just like oh they're gone they're dead we won and then like one page later like that's it and uh it's all resolved and stuff and so you don't really get like a it just kind of happens and the issue ends and then they skip over everything that I, you know that the climax that you would have expected yeah so it is kind of a Kind of a one-two punch of like a missed opportunity. Both of these final issues kind of combine, and they still don't add up to like the the climax. I think that the story kind of could have had. Yeah, because remember, like we spent issues of a burning tower, and you know citizens being on unrest, and actually that was the the previous arc. That I'm confusing. So forget, forget I said that. This, this is like going through the, the wheel of plagues and having that. Yeah. L- Laura Croft escapade. You've got yeah. the the battle happening out in in Gotham City. You have the Huntress going on secret missions to find out where information is, and then all of this. You could have brought Azrael back into the end. And yeah, Catwoman, it, you know, I mean, it, you exactly. could really have blown it out um, at the at the tail end. I think, but yeah. Terrence, any thoughts on 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 this issue? Yeah, Are we all in agreement. <laughs> yeah, would you would you agree? Come on, I agree. It <laughs> feels like there's a lack of fluidity between the issues. Ooh, very right? good As for to make one cohesive story arc. This issue again, I, I was kind of a disappointment too. It's kind of just has me scratching my head a little bit. Of like, um, you know, they did the whole thing with like, let's meet this kid and then let's kill him. Uh, you know, which we talked about in the Calcutta issue. But then there's like this weird thing like where Bruce Wayne is like, um, well, I, I can't do any good as Batman, but maybe I can do good as Bruce Wayne. But the only thing he does as Bruce Wayne is tell Lucius Fox, you know, like to do stuff. <laughs> and he doesn't even tell Lucius Fox. to do. He's just like, hey, Lucius, can we do anything? And Lucius is like, yeah, we could do this. We have refrigerator trucks. We have this. It's like, okay, Lucius, then do it. Like, okay, great job, Bruce Wayne. Woo-hoo. You know, like I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't see where he needed to like step in as Bruce Wayne to to do it, anything you know, and then next thing you know, he's Batman. And then these guys who are like um, trying to rescue their their fallen comrades from the the police department. Like, where did these guys come from? Like, were they on the boat? Were they at the casino? Were they somewhere else? It was kind of kind of weird. And then the whole James Gordon Sarah Essen thing. I guess it's setting it up. If you read in the Dixon run of Detective Comics, he's doing a lot with the GDCP. Did I say that right? Did I, get, I feel like no. I said an extra letter in there. <laughs> you didn't. GDs. G, GD. GD, baby. The goddamn Gotham City Police Department. The GD, GCD. 
Where is Bullock, <laughs> by the yeah. way? Is Bull- yeah. Oh, wait, is Bullock in this? In yeah, this he's in it in the beginning, right? At the very he's beginning. Like, but then yeah. where, is he in, where is he at the end? Like when they're well, all... at the so, end, like, Gordon's giving out. It says, Renee and Harvey will take the block it, the back stairs and hold case. Sarah and Hendricks and I will take the lobby and work back towards you. That's the last panel we see of Bullock in this issue. Okay, okay. So I th- maybe I thought I was missing something. And but. does he tie into Nightwing number one, maybe? Because the, the, with the Robin... But also, well, isn't there also a GCPD miniseries and that is around the same time? I don't know if it's like... We don't know what we're talking about anymore, guys. But like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it launches off of one of these books or told around the same time. But I think there's something around here. I don't know. Rob will find an editorial note somewhere after this recording, and we'll find out what what he find out. Because I was thinking the same thing. Like this has to be a, a launching point. Because you know, thinking back to Nightfall. Okay, Nightfall was a launching point for Catwoman. It was a launching point for Robin. So this has got to be the launching point for for the new version of Nightwing that's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Man, like always, Ryan's brain is working overtime. I think as he was talking, I was thinking the same thing. There's got to be something there. He is absolutely correct. Batman, GCPD, Gotham City Police Department ran a four-issue miniseries that launched in August of 1996 through November of 1996. And this Detective Comics issue came out in October of 1996. So, Great pull there from Ryan Haas, and I'm bringing up the back end of it, going, oh, yeah, yeah, I I, I think you're right. I wanted to say for certain, but I couldn't remember at the time of this recording, so great pull, Ryan, so let's go back. So that's that's another rabbit hole, and this is a book that is written by, of course, Chuck Dixon, and uh, so... Ryan and Terrence, if you're listening to this episode, this is probably another little rabbit hole this podcast can go down on. So, okay, back to the show. So it wouldn't surprise me if the GCPD Chronicles weren't around here, but I still think that's another year or two away. So maybe this is the seed of that. Because this issue really, aside from the Tim Drake portion of it, if you pulled that out, this is really a GCPD issue. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and again, Batman is really nowhere to be found in this. I- Actually, there's no Batman in this issue other than the opening scene of Batman and Robin flying, and it's Bruce Wayne. I was almost expecting a, what's the issue from No Man's Land? Uh, Mr. Wayne goes to Washington or, or, right. or, or something like that, that Bruce Wayne was going to donate all this money for for vaccines and cures and masks and mm-hmm. breather, you know, all that type of stuff. And it's really not that like, oh, there's dead bodies. Oh, you got a refrigerator truck? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's good. That's my job's done here. Time to put on the cape and, <laughs> cape and, and you know, what's depressing about this as well. If you read it in the floppies, like you're finishing legacy, but in the floppies, the last page is a from the den by Denny O'Neill and it, it basically talks about, yeah, we're not going to do crossovers for a while, and we've heard you that you don't like yeah, these. Yeah, was and, this when they uh, have like yeah. the, new, the new like one of one? One of one, one of yeah. yeah. Announcing stuff. one of one symbols, and it'll just be one page, because we all know how these things suck that you just bought, you know, and all <laughs> that stuff. And it's just kind of like, oh, really? Come on, man. You know, so. And again, I, I want to say I really remember really liking this book when i first read it i was i was a avid you know wednesday warrior i think it was thursday back then going to the comic book shop once a week and getting my books and just being excited that there was this new big crossover and i i can't remember what i thought at the end of it but i remember liking like being excited that we're finally going to talk about legacy and it started off really well but i think it really it starts like a line and ends on a being a lamb towards the the tail end of this. So that's kind of my final thoughts. I was a little bit let down, and when we interviewed Chuck Dixon way back on episode fifty one, he he really wasn't keen on the whole idea to begin with. So I think you can kind of tell over the course of these issues that we've covered on the show that you can kind of hear Dixon's voice. 
I don't want to say, I can't believe I'm saying this about Chuck Dixon, but does this borderline him phoning it in? Like, he just wasn't really sold on the idea, and I don't think he's, I don't think his heart was in it for this particular storyline, and being that the last two or three books that we reviewed were all Chuck Dixon aside from one, you can really kind of tell that he was pretty much done with the story idea and let's just let's move this along. So those are my final thoughts. What do you guys have for it? Let's start with Terrence. Um wow now we know why Chuck Dixon doesn't want to come back on our podcast. Oh <laughs> I know. Isn't him a phoning it in here. I would I would I would not think that Chuck Dixon was phoning it in. What I would think is that Chuck Dixon wasn't sold on the idea that Oh no! Batman's got to fight a virus, so he maybe was that's creating, better. Yeah. He was creating other obstacles for Batman in the fight of the virus. So it's not oh, Batman's got to fight the virus. It's oh, Robin's got to get this computer information to Oracle, who's got to get more memory from the Pentagon, and oh, you know, Batman's got to find the location of where they're going to let off the virus, and he's got to stop Bane at a casino and all this stuff. And I think that muddied the overall storyline of like well what's actually going on here you know what what are we doing here i feel like if you had made a game show for me before we started reading contagion and legacy and you asked me events and said does this happen in contagion does this happen in legacy or does it not happen in either one and we just made it up i would have had a hard time getting a good score on that game like you know batman goes to calcutta uh no you made that up no like you know legacy oh bane and blows up a casino you know like there's a lot of stuff that i forgot about or thought was a part of contagion which was really part of legacy so but overall like i know i've been like crapping on a lot of this stuff like it's it's a actually a really enjoyable read and it's like fun and i enjoyed it and i glad i own it and i would reread it again and i don't walk away from it as like oh my gosh this was so amazing but i also like i think i have really high standards for the batman yeah, creative like team so of the much. 90s yeah yeah right. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, ryan yeah i mean i think it's the same same deal it's like the the first half is more memorable in my mind than the second half and i was kind of surprised how i don't want to say muddled because it's pretty clear what i mean it's Things happen, but it just anti- the anticlimacticness and the and the disconnected feeling from the what you would expect in a like a the end of a story like this. Like uh, it, it kind of ends with a whimper instead of a bang, you know. But it's still it's still good. It's still enjoyable. The art's great. Everything's good, but it's just not exactly the kind of resolution you would kind of want from from a story like this and it's yeah. kind of interesting it doesn't really br- i mean for for as, as stoked as i've been to cover batman legacy it doesn't really bring the whole story down too much for me after revisiting it but it is kind of a note that i will remember now like you know the end doesn't really match the beginning in terms of of uh, effectiveness yeah and I, I was trying to find a better word than phoning it in. I just like I think Terrence said it better. Was trying to find different ways to like, okay, this stupid virus thing is out there, blah blah blah. Let's see, because of this thing, what if we put our situation, our heroes in this situation? How can they get their way out of it? So looking at it through that lens, I, I do see it a little bit. But my favorite parts were like, if you bought the two trades that I was reading this out of. I definitely liked trade number one over trade number two, but there are moments out of both of them. I was glad I w- we were able to reread it, cover it for the podcast, and uh, were able to to do it some justice. So as a bonus, the story is not over quite yet. There is a Bane issue. Now, if memory serves me correct, when Batman and Robin came to theaters, they wanted some, air quotes, tie-in books, or books that featured the villains of the movie to have a book that you could go out onto the newsstand and buy. So you got a Poison Ivy book, you got a Mr. Freeze book. Yeah. And they started and, that with the Batman Returns. They've got a yes. you know, Penguin Triumphant and Catwoman Defiant and, and you got a Two Face or Riddler book and then you got Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze and Bane. And they're all just in name only, right? But uh, right. and then they got to tell kind of whatever story they wanted in the in the books. So So with this one is gonna be Batman Bane number one, and just for argument's sake, I will have Ryan read the synopsis for this one, and we can kind of just put a button on this and just some thoughts 
uh, from this particular issue, which do go in and do fill in some of those holes with Bane, Batman, Robin, and Nightwing throughout this story. So, uh, Ryan, do you want to bring this one home for us? <clears throat> yes, and buckle up, because this uh, this is quite the synopsis here. Okay, so... Batman Bane, number one, cover date 1997, on sale date May 29th, 1997, cover price is $4.95, woof, editor is Scott Peterson, writer Chuck Dixon, artist Rick Burchett, letterer Bill Oakley, colorist David Hornung, and let me bring out my nerdy nerd credentials here, David Hornung is also the, he's a, he's a colorist by trade, obviously, right, but he also did the colors for Batman Gotham by Gaslight with gouache paint. Um, nice. So, yeah, then that was... Uh, so that's uh, kind of a cool thing to... to I don't know if he used uh, paints for this. That would be kind of not interesting to find out. Knowing him, that might be the case. Cover credits. The artist is Brian Stelfreeze. And the story is just simply entitled Bane, I believe, right? Because it's Batman Bane yep. number one. So here's a synopsis. After his last encounter with Batman, Bane is drifting unconscious. Over the course, Bane remembers the events of his life. He wakes up when he's approaching a big ship in the sea. Bane climbs to the ship's deck and takes control of it and commands the crew to change the course and head towards Gotham City. The ship was a mobile nuclear plant. How convenient. And Bane was planning to make it explode near Gotham, killing everyone from irritation. Bane managed to find one of the League of Assassin ships and boarded it. He found out that Roz's ship exploded and that he and Talia might have died in the explosion. Bane recruited the remaining members of the League and took them into the nuclear plant. Bane and his men were approaching Gotham's adjacent city of Bloodhaven, and the Coast Guard tried to approach the incoming ship, but Bane bombed them down. Nightwing watched everything and decided to infiltrate the ship to stop whoever was behind it. He barely stepped onto the deck when some assassins attacked him, but Nightwing managed to knock them down, but then Bane appeared and knocked Nightwing out. Bane arrives on Gotham Shore and demanded $2 million in gold that the League of Assassins members that were captured were released. Well, that's what he, the other thing he had demanded. His ransom demands were broadcast on local news, and the Gotham City Police Department, the GCPD, decided to act immediately, and well as Batman and Robin. Commissioner Gordon sent Petite and the tactical squad to break and enter Bane's ship, but the assassins fired at them before they were able to reach the ship. Batman and Robin approached the ship from a different angle, and they were able to reach the ship by swimming underwater and managed to enter it unnoticed. Nightwing was tied up upside down in one of the ship's cells. He received a little help from one of the ship's crew, first mate Erica Mooney. Nightwing managed to escape before Mooney could return with an axe to cut the chains, and she found the cell empty, and some of Bane's men fired at her. She was able to dodge the bullets and was ready to strike at her attackers at any minute, but was surprised to see them falling unconscious to the ground. She thought it was Nightwing who saved her, but when she came out of her hiding place, she was faced with Batman and Robin. Batman told Robin and Mooney to search and deactivate the explosive charges around the ship while he searched for Nightwing. Nightwing arrived at the main compartment where he faced Bane. Both of them engaged in combat once more, but Bane was much stronger than Nightwing. Nightwing was hurt, and just before he resumed combat, Batman arrived and told him to go help Robin. The fight was resumed with Batman instead of Nightwing. Bane and Batman caused some havoc while fighting. Robin and Mooney deactivated one charge, but then were attacked by more assassins. Robin broke a steam tube, which he used as a distraction to take down most of the assassins. Nightwing arrived in time to help him out with their enemies and told them about Bane's plans to overheat the core reactor, making it explode. The three of them then went to the reactor, but it was tightly sealed. Batman and Bane took the fight over to the main deck, where Bane grabbed a bazooka to fire at the ship, creating the destruction he needed to make the reactor explode. Batman tackled Bane when he fired the bazooka, and the projectile hit the upper structure of the ship, creating an explosion over the deck. Batman went down to tell Nightwing and Robin about the explosion, but Mooney assured them that the reactor structure will stay afloat and just the upper structure of the ship will be damaged. Batman worried about Bane's whereabouts as he jumped to the sea before it exploded. And at the very end, Bane is seen walking into a beach, stealing a man's car, and driving it towards some big city. The this seems like an episode of Batman the Animated Series. It's like uh, it's like the Bane version of of Batman Sub Zero, like the yes. movie. 
Yes, yeah. that is that is very good. That's I was getting a huge animated series vibe, especially the opening page where Batman is leaping down towards Bane, and Bane's got his arm stretched out. You just mm. see you know the the bat symbol there. Yeah. So little. Well, the the here's here's the other th- reason why you might think that is because the penciler on this, Rick Burchett, was a. Uh, Heavily involved in uh, the Batman Adventures comic book series. Comic book series. I he was that name uh, yeah. He did uh, he did some of the covers and he was an inker for a lot of it. Of course, the great Mike Paraback did a lot of a lot of the art for that series. But Rick Burchett did a he inked a lot of the issues and he drew some of them in the the back half. And he and I remember his name too. He he did the inking on the the Mask of the Phantasm adaptation as yeah. well. So that's that's a big another big reason why you might get some animated series vibes because that's that's kind of his calling card uh, for uh, as far as stylization goes for some of the character models and everything. What'd you think of your boy making an appearance with uh, just his right arm looking down over Bane? It, it took oh, me. <laughs> you so see good. the. The as I would have loved to have seen his his full version of uh, his uh, as bats. Yeah, I would too. Here. It is kind of a cool thing though of like Dixon, of course, is a master at this. Very effectively, is able to condense the gist of Vengeance <laughs> of Bane and Nightfall yeah. uh, in two pages. And, and it works so and well. It, and it works so well. And you know what you need to know. You know what the stakes are. You know kind of what happened. If you already if you read Nightfall, like you you know what Asbats looks like, you know who that is. If you've never read it before, you're just like, oh, it's a different Batman, and he looks he looks like he was probably weird, and then you kind of move on. It's <laughs> fine, but for the, the the mega comic reader that's buying this, that read Nightfall, read all the stuff, read Legacy, read Bane the Demon, and wants to know what in the hell happened in that in that story <laughs> gap, you've you've got you've got it here. So there's not a whole much I want to belabor over this unless you've got some specific issues but i just i like this just really kind of flushes everything out and reading this kind of helps tie kind of the lackluster final issue of legacy and does and does put a nicer bow on it making this the last official thing that you read in this particular trade i found myself going okay now that that's an ending i like you get Batman. It gives you kind of a taste of what the rest of Legacy could have been if it yes. was told in a format like this, you know? Yeah. I love the way Tim Drake, Robin, looks in this, and Nightwing both. I wish the page was numbered right after Mooney comes out, out of her, you know, hiding, thinking, you know, where Batman's got the guy up by his white shirt, getting ready to punch him, and Robin's in his, like, karate stance. That next little pose with Batman and Robin... And Robin's got his cape draped over his shoulder. He's got his hand to his hip. That just looks like something like we said out of the animated series or Saturday morning cartoon. And I mean that in the in the best sense. Like this would have been something I would have been eager to tune in and watch. Yeah, um, and the flat colors help too. Like the more yes. like these 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 muted fl- again. This is like a lot of it takes place at night and it's raining. I think the colors are are, are uh, definitely a big part of of this story, giving giving you that vibe too. I love Bane getting kicked out of the door. He's just almost flat to the ground, and you see the lightning kind of strikes. Just the, like you said, the flat colors in there, and then Batman's feet coming out the the side of that door and Bane tumbling down. I think this was done very well, and the villain gets to have the the getaway, you know, going off to his weekend at Bernie's, you know, retreat, so to speak, of whatever, you know, island he happens to have. Uh, washed ashore on so i thought this was a a nice little it was also kind of pricey this was something i don't own in my yeah. collection I, di- I didn't buy it so this was almost a five dollar book yeah it's it? one of those prestige format books right yeah. With the nice nice paperboard like cover and all that so i'd be kind of curious to know but we could probably terrence could probably doing some ebaying right now and find out what the price of this is on eBay? Can you actually get it? Oh, it's probably l- not that bad. I've seen <laughs> less it less than the cover price of it. Can you probably. can you buy this for a dollar? <laughs> could could you buy all three of them, being Poison Ivy, Mister Freeze, and Bane, and not break five bucks if you if you take out shipping? Like I see one here. Um, it's a uh, eight dollars. Buy it now. So oh, that's not, that's not bad. That's not yeah. Bad. It's nice. Yeah, the problem with eBay is the shipping and all that, and yeah. then eBay takes a cut, 
So uh, I see one for three dollars, five dollars shipping. I'm sure if you went to a comic show or mm-hmm. a, a comic book store that ha- has a dollar bin, mm-hmm. I'm sure you could find these for a dollar. Or you find them in the back issue and take them up to the counter. I'm sure you could make a deal. I'm sure you know <laughs> there. Yeah, but um, uh, also just my two cents on this. It looks like Bird makes an appearance in a flashback Bird's scene. Bird's Tron being yeah. yeah. I, I love those guys. And I love in our interview with Chuck Dixon how he talked about how important those guys were and how annoyed he was that DC Comics killed them off. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. They get killed off in a really lackluster and way. some stupid way, too, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember when, but it was kind of a weird thing, right? Yeah. And speaking of Bane, uh, that picture you sent, Ryan, that is a pretty awesome Bane statue in that I was going to comment Oh, yeah, on it that. was really yeah. the Virtual Boy uh, thing. But yeah, I'll I see you pictures of that when I got it, when I first got it, too. There's a lot of cool stuff in here. I was looking at the Bane. And then <laughs> yeah. you've got, like, the Batman handheld console for, is that the, the tiger Batman? Yeah, yeah. the Tiger LCD. And then I was looking at some of the books. And then you got, I sent the picture to my brother, too. He's like, cool console. You got the GameCube. You got a Genesis there. An N64. Like, did you just, is that a picture you had? Or did you just, like, take that picture? I just took it. I just turned around. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, because I've got all the, here, I'll send another one. Just because, like, this is. This is everything that's hooked up to my you, the very special setup to have things hooked up to your um, to a PVM RGB monitor. You got to do SCART cables and SCART switchers, all kinds of just ridiculous oh, stuff. Wow. So hey, I've wow. got my I've got my laser active laser disc slash Sega Genesis hooked up to it, which is just amazing. So uh, well, yeah. all I know is next year when my family is planning this. Oh yeah, you can va- check vacation it out. to South. To, <laughs> To South Carolina, I said, you know that I'm going to go visit two of my friends, and one of them has a bunch of video game stuff. I'm probably going to be gone all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole, how was vacation? It was pretty good. I hung out with Terrence and Ryan. We played video games all day, and my wife was really mad. <laughs> I've got Mask of the Phantasm on Laserdisc over here. Oh, awesome. Wow. That's such a cool setup. Well, folks, I think Wait, that... Du- no, I'm not done. There was like... So... I had a couple of thoughts on on this. I like the continuity that it has from Legacy, where it picks up and and Dixon does this like you saw this in Bane of the Demon, which came out like after Legacy, and they put it back in this book, and it's nice and seamless. Yeah, because this came out like a year later. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This came out. Yeah. This is yet again another example of Chuck Dixon being like, I'm just going to pick up another story thread and tell another story out of a story I already told. Like he's really good at that. Yeah, um, and keeps getting. You know, you have this. You have the Robin Year One. Like he, he. There's a lot of examples of Chuck Nixon doing this. Not according to Rob. Rob says Chuck phones it in. Well, <laughs> yeah. but like I'm he, trying to smooth that over. We're never going to get Chuck back on the show. <laughs> no, you'll be hearing from his lawyer soon. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, but Chuck, it's I cool. love you. You you pick it up, and it's like the same scene that from from the last time you saw Batman and Bane and Bane's got his like his mask is like split open and he takes over the ship and but what's interesting to me is that like somewhere in the I don't know couple hours Bane's able to repair his his mask and his costume back to like normal like he's like shirtless and the mm-hmm. mask is gone, and then and then I don't know. Just a couple pages later, he's back to normal and has a his mask is all fixed and stuff. But then it gets ripped again <laughs> to the same way it was before. You know, like so. I'm like, well, that's a little. I don't know. Was that necessary? I don't know. I was just <laughs> questions that I had. But I just stitched this together. I know. Just, just together, and you know. <laughs> Dark Knight Rises wise, I was like, wow, there's actually a lot of Dark Knight Rises type of plot elements here where Bane has a nuclear device that's close mm-hmm. to Gotham City and there's even a panel on uh, I can't tell the pages but it's when Batman and Robin are about to to head to the to the rig where Batman says like we're looking at a blast that could level every building along the harbor everyone in the city would face lingering deaths in an irritated hill that's what Bane plans on doing and this extortion scheme is just a ruse while he gets the court to maximum temperature. I'm like, well, that's that's the Dark Knight Rises right there. Like, <laughs> yeah. exact same thing. I was like, wow, it's another... This plus um, Bane of the Demon, I think, when we talked about that, there was a lot of crossover story elements that seemed like uh, it definitely got uh, used or was an influence on the Dark Knight Rises. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And I, I would really like more done in this art style. I think this works really well in a lot of these one-offs. 
and Rick Bracetta. I've I want to check out more of his stuff because this issue really it was one like when we were texting back and forth before this and I was like oh apparently we're gonna read this one too that uh, I I really dug this so um, I haven't done you know my homework on the other issues I doubt. Rick did the Poison Ivy and Mr. Freeze issues, but man, if if he did, uh, that would even really make me want to go check that out, because I really dug the art in here, and the coloring was fantastic, and like I said earlier, just repeating myself, I think this kind of put a better bow on the legacy trade paperbacks. If you bought these, and this was the first time that you read it, I do really think that this Bane story kind of elevates the book back up to maybe not where you thought it was going to go, but it leaves you satisfied going, I enjoyed that. I wouldn't mind rereading this whole series again. So I was glad we finally got to this on the podcast and is something we can kind of check off of our list and uh, head back to Tim Drake country, if you will. And like we mentioned just a, a few minutes ago, we'll start the one-to-one issues and it's funny that only lasts for two for two issues for a 34 and 35 and the one-to-one's gone but uh so uh any closing thoughts on this uh, marathon recording session that we managed to pull out today which i'm very glad that we were able to do let's start with terrence on this on just legacy as a whole and maybe like where this kind of sets for you if you're like hey here's some batman stories to check out you know is this one that you're going to give somebody um eventually but not in the very top 10 or or so of stories also i think fun, it's kind of funny you think I was, i'm going down the rabbit hole here of looking at stuff on ebay from 1997 with the poison ivy and the mr freeze and all that i just sent you guys something because i've never seen this book before what's cool is like there's yeah, Poison Ivy, Mr. Freeze Bane, and there's a Bad Girl one, and mm-hmm. all of the covers, oh. all of the covers interlock interlock yeah. together, which I, that that part I did not know. That's and it's kind of neat. Stealth Freeze's art is amazing. He always oh, did yeah, the Legend yeah. of the Dark Knight, uh, not Legend of the Dark Knight. He'd shadow the back covers. Um, yeah. They definitely look better than the movie, you know. <laughs> and I, it was got me thinking. Is I was so. So psyched for Batman and Robin. Like, I thought it was going to be so good. Same here. And I I, I could not wait. So I'm thinking, like, if we recorded this when Legacy came out, we'd be like, oh, I wonder if they're going to use, you know, this version of Bane in the movie. Oh, I wonder if this part. Oh, I wonder if Talia Ghoul will appear in the, the, you know, and then just the disappointment of (laughs) what Batman and Robin was compared to what I thought it would be. This just made me so depressed now. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is... I don't think it's bad, the whole legacy. I think it's has a nostalgia factor. I think it's incredibly interesting to read, having lived through a pandemic and through the lockdown and through <laughs> the quarantine. And, you know, luckily our pandemic wasn't, you know, instantaneously killing people like Ebola Gulf A was <laughs> killing people. But it certainly did, you know, take its toll on people. And, and certainly we saw people die and people's lives get torn upside down. So, I mean, it is interesting to see our imitate yeah, life and and, yeah, yeah. And, and to be able to to have a story that they said, well, how this is really far fetched to be able to be even more real than they would made it in the comics for to, to some degree where, where we're reading it in our current time being like, well, you know, if this was a real pandemic, they, those people would be wearing masks while they're getting their vaccines (laughs) and stuff like that, you know, like, but some things like curfews and essential workers and stuff, I'm like that, that rings true. We saw some of those things. So it it is, it is pretty interesting to be able to compare the real life events to something like this. Uh, I'm not going to, interesting is maybe the, I don't know if the right word, but, but, but it's, it it definitely is interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, and who would have thought in the, in the different starts that we've taken on the show and little side derails of like, Hey, we got to check this out. Hey, we got to talk about this thing that for everything to a lineup that we're going to talk about contagion and legacy, like we, like we've been saying this whole podcast while real life is going on was just surreal. Like there were multiple times I know I've said on this well, let's hope we can get known through Lumen's Lane without there being a giant earthquake somewhere. Right, exactly. But there were times I would slide the comic book over to my wife. I was like, read this top part of the page. She was like, didn't we just hear that on the news last night? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we did. She goes, when did this come out? I'm like, 
1996, 1997 <laughs> ballpark. So, yeah, uh, Dixon and team were way ahead of their their times. So, and now I think coming up we got that one of one issue. Uh, yep. thirty four. But then thirty five is the kind of thing that drives you nuts, Rob, because it's a final night tie in. So you're <laughs> like, well, how far do I go? And <laughs> do I reread the miniseries? And wait, Robin was in this book, and is he in? <laughs> so yeah, so. No, we might just be going straight huh. Wikipedia. This is the quick synopsis of the whole event. Here's where Robin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's where Robin is, unless it's a major Batman. Find you, find you a, 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 a mega Final Night fan on on the that's wants to come on the show to kind of yeah. talk about it. <laughs> that's, that's the route to take. You know, the only I thing think- I remember of Final sorry, the only thing I remember of Final Night is there's a cover where Superman's hair is like as long as Nightwing's blowing in the Britain. That's <laughs> yes. all I remember. Is Superman had the long hair. Yeah. Yeah. Long-haired Superman like he's going to look at Nightwing at ponytails like, "Oh, I see your yeah. tails as long as mine is." I see your ponytail, sir, and I raise you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's where we're going to end this episode. It's great getting back, doing this again, and uh, peek behind the curtain. I think I've got enough for probably one, definitely two, possibly three shows with this recording. So uh, hopefully we can start banking some for you guys. It's great to be back. Summer vacation's here, so as much as I want to start doing podcasting, it's time to start going out and start doing things again. So, on the behalf of Terrence Ryan, I'm Rob, and you've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. More importantly, you've been listening to Robin. Everyone loves a Drake. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also over at our host, TBU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Take care.